If you have your Bible, turn with me to the little book of Jude. It's next to the last book in the Bible, the little book of Jude. You've probably heard the saying before that those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. It's a good thing to study the past. It's a good thing to be familiar with the past and know history, especially if you're able to learn from the past. I half-jokingly, through the years, raising children, uh, when I would warn them of something not to do, I would say, don't do that. Do this. I would say, don't do that. Ask me how I know you shouldn't do that. Yeah, I want my I wanted my children to learn from my mistakes. How about you? Have you been like that too? That you want you want to learn from your past. You want others to learn what not to do. It's important to learn from the past. It's important to be aware of the past. We started this service this morning with uh, words from Psalm 44. Let me go back to those for a moment. Psalm 44, O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us. What deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted, speaking of the nation of Israel, your Uh, You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. God gets the glory when we remember what He has done and remind ourselves and teach ourselves the truth. Listen to the words of Deuteronomy 32 and verse 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you your elders and they will tell you. It's important to understand and learn from history. Unfortunately, It's becoming all too common in our country, for example, all around us for history to be rewritten. That's dangerous. It's important that as a nation we understand our history. But as important as it is as a nation to understand our history and to know it and to not change it and not rewrite it, but learn from it, it's even more important for believers in Jesus Christ to understand their spiritual heritage. Where are they coming from spiritually? What's the history and the historical account given to believers in the Bible? It is so important that we know God's Word and hide God's Word in our hearts. A couple of weeks ago, when we were last here in Jude, we saw Jude warning believers and equipping believers against false teachers slipping into the church. Warning believers, be on guard against false teachers and their false teaching. Today, as we look at verses 5-7, through 7, 
we'll see how Jude uses three examples from the past. Three examples from history. Three examples of God's judgment on those who reject His truth. Jude wants his readers to learn from the past and not repeat the mistakes of those who've gone before. Jude first points to Israel, and then he refers to the fallen angels. And the third example is that of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the strong point that Jude is making in using these three examples is that unbelievers... Those who teach false truths, unbelievers, and those who deny the truth and reject the truth of God will be judged. This is serious. But there's an underlying point going on here, and it's that we need to remember this as we do life together as a church. We need these reminders. We need to remember this as we do life as a church, as we live as God's children in this place, in this time here and now. For believers to be reminded of the truths of the Bible is for our own good. The false teachers that Jude is writing about would be judged one day. That should help us understand that this is a serious problem and not one to make little of and take lightly. So let's look at verses 5-7 through seven in Jude together. And I want you to follow along in your Bible as I read, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version this morning, Jude verses 5-7. through seven. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved a people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but let their proper, left their proper dwelling place, He has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. This is a sobering passage, isn't it? It's a serious. Right away in verse 5, it's clear that Jude... Jude knows his readers know of the example of Israel which he is about to point to. He knows they know this. But he also knows it's worth reminding them. And that's a good reminder to us. No matter how well you know the Word of God or how well you think you know the Word of God, you still need fresh reminders of the truth. It's why the Bible commands that we preach the Word. We're not just to preach the Word to the world, we're to preach the Word to the church. 
Commentator Matthew Henry knew the importance of this. Listen to what he says about this verse. Some people, weakly enough, suggest if the Scriptures do so plainly contain all that is necessary to salvation, what need or use can there be of of a standing ministry? Why may we not content ourselves with staying at home and reading our Bibles? He goes on to say, the inspired apostle has here, speaking of the passage that we're looking at this morning, the inspired apostle has here fully, though not wholly, answered this objection. Preaching is not designed to teach us something new in every sermon, somewhat that we knew nothing of before, but to put us in remembrance to call to mind things forgotten, to affect our passions and engage and fix our resolutions that our lives may be answerable to our faith. He's right. I don't expect that I'm going to say something to you that you've never heard before. If... (laughs) If I say something that no one in this room has heard before, you should be concerned. (laughs) These believers that Jude was writing to needed to be reminded of the truth they already knew. You're numbered among them, and so am I. We need to hear these truths again. We too need to be reminded of the truth of God's Word. We need these reminders regularly, and that's one reason we're gathered here this morning. If you came to Sunday school, and I would highly encourage you to do that, make time on your, in your Lord's Day to come to Sunday school to hear reminders of the truth that you need to be reminded of. You come to the morning worship service. I, I praise God for that. And you need to know, the, one of the reasons you come is because you need to be reminded. We're going to gather again tonight at 6 p.m. Why? Because we need to be reminded. Think about how little time we actually have together out of all the hours that we have in a week. These hours that we have together, though they be few, they are an investment in reminding ourselves of the truth of God's Word that we must live by. This is why I stand before you and preach. We each need to be reminded of the truths of the Bible. So I told you, Jude gives us three reminders as he wrote to those to whom he is writing his readers. Three reminders we're going to see this morning. Here's the first one. Consider Jude's first reminder here. It's in verse 5. Look at verse 5 again. Remember the Israelites. And remember specifically something about the Israelites. You'll see it here. Look at verse 5 again. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Can I just stop right there for a moment? Uh, Jesus. How does Jesus end up in the Old Testament? (laughs) Because He existed before creation. He existed before time as we know it. And so, yes, He is there. 
He's not physically there, but He's there. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, look at verse 5, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those You might be distracted by that destroyed, but don't be distracted by that. Think of this last phrase. Afterward, destroyed those who did not believe. Here's a reminder to us. The Lord Jesus rescued the Israelites out of Egypt. You would think They would have always worshipped Him with their whole lives from then on. But there were some with whom the Lord was not pleased and He judged them. Who was it? Verse 5 says, it was those who did not believe. And how was it they did not believe? It showed up in many ways. In fact, it's a similar reminder that Paul gave believers in 1 Corinthians 10. Listen, I don't want you to turn there because I want you to keep looking at verse 5 in Jude. But listen to 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. They all had the same advantages. They all had the same truth. 1 Corinthians 10.5, Nevertheless, with most of them, this is a sad commentary, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples. Here it is. Remember. As examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Why did they do all those things? Verse 5 They did not believe. Jude 5, they did not believe. Think of it. In spite of seeing firsthand God's deliverance, God's provision, His grace, His love, there were many who rebelled against God. And because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief, they suffered God's judgment. You see, you can see clearly what God judges. And and the root of His judgment is rooted in their unbelief. You can see it in Jude. God judged their unbelief. Now back to Jude, the false teachers that Jude had 
has pointed to are also guilty of unbelief and will face God's just judgment. Remember the Israelites and be on guard against following false teachers who would lead you to unbelief. Following false teachers and rejecting the truth of God's word will bring God's just judgment. God judged unbelief then and will continue to judge unbelief today. Now, consider Jude's second reminder. It's found in verse 6. Remember the angels. Remember the angels. And you know what? It's talking about fallen angels. And their problem was rooted in unbelief also. Verse 6, look at it again. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Some of the angels whom God created and gave positions of authority, rebelled against God. And because of it, God has kept them in darkness, bound in eternal chains. In fact, Revelation 20 and verse 10 points to the same judgment by God, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And so these fallen angels who rebelled against God's authority, He will judge. But the warning isn't just about fallen angels. It's an example of the just judgment of God on all who rebel against His authority with their unbelief. There is a day of judgment coming. If you're a believer, you have no reason to fear that. You have no reason to fear that judgment because you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. God's wrath will not be poured out on you because it was poured out on His Son. And you've been forgiven your sins. You've been cleansed and you've been made new in Christ. If your faith, if your hope is in Christ alone, but unbelievers will face the judgment of God and will face eternal separation from God and His just punishment for their unbelief and their rebellion against Him. Here's what Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. God's Word is not all about judgment. But there are important and striking statements that we ought to pay attention to that are about judgment. It reminds us that because there's bad news, there's good news. And we can thank God for the good news that we have to share and be encouraged by and live by. We are all destined to die. That's the bad news. We're all destined to face God's judgment. That's the bad news. And just as the fallen angels are bound in chains under gloomy darkness, there is no escaping God's judgment 
For the unbeliever, this is serious. The warning here from Jude is that false teachers who distort God's Word and those who follow them will one day face God's just judgment. So remember the Israelites. Remember the fallen angels. Now let's consider Jude's third reminder. It's seen in verse 7. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at verse 7 again. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. In the Greek text of this passage, the original language points to this idea, indulging in excessive immorality. This, the point's this, I mean, sexual immorality is sin. All, all sexual immorality is sin. But this idea is it's like it's indulging, this giving yourself up to this Excessive immorality. This sexual sin wasn't something they had done and repented of and were sorry for and were trying to turn from. They were unrepentant, Sodom and Gomorrah. This was their way of life. They had fully given themselves to this. And it would also lead to their death. And that is a warning. Why? Why did they do this? It was rooted in their unbelief. Sodom and Gomorrah, says Jude, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. This is a reminder. It's also a warning against the eternal fire and torment of hell that is the destiny of all false teachers and others who fail to believe in Jesus Christ and so rebel against God in their unbelief. The point that Jude is driving home in this passage, in these three examples from the past, is clear, and it's that God judges unbelief. God judges the rebellion that follows unbelief. What ought to make us grieve for people who are caught up in sin? Like the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, who just given themselves over to living in this way of life. What ought to grieve us most is not actually their way of life. It's, it, what ought to grieve us most is their unbelief. Because if they believed, God would move in and give them a new heart and help them change day by day. But people who lead others away from the truth, the warning is clear, will not get away with their false teaching. There is a judgment day coming, and the false teachers will face the judgment of God. Even God's people don't like to talk about that, do we? We don't like to talk about God's judgment. Unbelievers like to talk about it even less. 
there is a tendency in our society to make a joke of God's commands. To make a joke of His judgment. You've heard it. I've heard it. People rebelling against God's commands, basically making light, making a joke of God's judgment. For example, back when Bill Clinton was president, he named as AIDS czar Christine Gebby, a self-professed lesbian. She said this, The United States needs to view human sexuality as an essentially important and pleasurable thing. Until it does so, we will continue to be a repressed Victorian society this, that misrepresents information, denies homosexual sexuality, particularly in teens, and leaves people abandoned with no place to go. I can help just a little bit in my job standing on the White House lawn talking about sex with no lightning bolts falling on my head. That's from 1993. And things have not gotten better. They've gotten worse. Do you ever feel like you're living in Sodom and Gomorrah? No, Christine. God did not strike you with a lightning bolt. But you ought to thank Him for His patience. He did not strike you with a lightning bolt for rejecting the truth of His Word and leading many, many people away from the truth. But unless you repent and believe in Jesus, you will face punishment of eternal fire. And I don't say that with delight. I don't say that with joy. I say that with grief because people are being deceived by people like this. There is a place to go for people who are tempted to sin. There is a place to go. There is hope. And that place is to turn to Jesus Christ in faith and be saved. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Hell is a real place. Its torment lasts for all eternity. Hell is the destiny of the false teachers that Jude describes and is the destination of all people who reject Jesus Christ by their unbelief. So this is serious. There will be a day of judgment. But we rejoice in this. There's good news. While all of us are guilty of sinning and all of us deserve eternal punishment in hell, God has provided salvation through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9 and verse 28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Who's that? Who's eagerly waiting for Him? It's those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. That's what we remember at the Lord's table, which we're going to observe in a few moments. Jesus died to take the punishment 
for our sin, to bring salvation to everyone who places their faith and trust in Him. Do you hear that? If you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are spared the day of judgment. Because God's judgment was poured out on His Son, instead of suffering a punishment of eternal fire, we can enjoy eternal life in the presence of the Lord in heaven. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ, you have the promise of heaven to look forward to when you die. You don't have to worry about facing God's judgment and being sent to hell. And no, that doesn't give you a license to live any way you want to. But if you've believed in Jesus Christ, He moves in and takes up residence and begins to change your desires so that you want to please Him and bring Him glory. And you, in fact, are already enjoying the precious gift of salvation and eternal life, even though you may die before He returns. He may call you home in death before He calls you home at the rapture. We've all sinned against God and we all deserve hell, but God in His grace and mercy and love for us has provided salvation through Jesus Christ and in Him alone. Jude's reminder of God's judgment should be sobering to everyone in this room. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ, this should be a sobering time for you. And I appeal to you, I appeal to you, do not wait. If you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, do not wait, even in this very moment. You can call out to God in prayer from your heart. You can repent of your sin and believe in Jesus and you will be forgiven and saved by God. If you're a believer, let this sober you to the fact that those who die in rebellion and unbelief will face God's judgment. And let's ask God for His help as we live here and now, that we might share the truth of the gospel, that we might be changed by it ourselves, that we might live ourselves in light of the truth of the gospel, and yet we won't keep it to ourselves, that we would share the good news of forgiveness of sins with the people around us. Let's ask God for help to do that with every day He gives us.